Bibles today to Luke chapter 8. Sometimes on Mother's Day, we do a study for moms, but then a lot of moms got mad at me because they got convicted, and so <laughs> we stopped doing that. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, you know, for those of you moms that have been here over the years, you've heard the studies. Uh, maybe you're here for the first time. Just in case you want to get a study from past Mother's Day services, you can go to the back counter and ask for one, and, and they'll give you one for free, okay, since it's Mother's Day. But today we're going to continue our journey as we're going through the Gospel of Luke. And, you know, one of the quotes that we saw on the screen today was one from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon. Have you guys ever heard of C.H. Spurgeon? He's probably one of the most uh, famous preachers, one of the most influential Christians in the history of the church. And I love what he said about his mom. He said, you know what, my mom can be summed up in one word. And the word was, was Jesus, you know. And I have a feeling that what he meant by that was that his mom drew her strength from Jesus and that his mom was like Jesus. And because of that example, because of the strength and the power in which she walked, C.H. Spurgeon was the man that he was. And, you know, going through the Gospel of Luke, and especially today, we're going to kind of cover a lot of ground. You know, that's my prayer, you guys. My prayer is that we would draw our strength from Jesus Christ, he's really the only place that we can, and that you and I would learn these things and and live to even be like him, to look out for him. You know, I try to point you guys, and I believe one of my primary responsibilities as a pastor, and really for all of us as a Christian, is to point you to Jesus and to just encourage you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and I know for some it seems like an intangible thing. They might say, Manny, you make it seem like he's a real person. And he is. He really is. Just like that one sitting next to you. He's a real person. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That he's your best friend. That he's your counselor. That he's your strength. That he's your savior. And we need to make sure, thank God for our friends and all those people that are around us, but we need to make sure that we go to Christ. And that he is the closest one to us, you guys. And so we look to him, we see all he can do, and then we're going to see that as we establish and reestablish this relationship with Christ, that it doesn't matter what happens to us in life. Maybe you feel like you're sinking today. Maybe you're sunk, you know. Maybe you feel like you're dying today. Maybe you're dead. doesn't matter. Nothing is too hard for Jesus Christ. And that's what we see today ever so clearly. That's what really this is all about. God wants to show us the power of his son. Because look what we read here in Luke 8, verse 22. It says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And so what, what did he say? Let's go to the other side. Right? That's what Jesus said. So what's going to happen? They're going to go over to the other side, right? Because Jesus said, right? And so what happens is they launched out. So they went out. Beautiful day, I'm sure it was. You guys ever go on a boat? It's nice, huh? It's a real, real neat time. And anyways, they launched out. But as we see oftentimes happens there in the Lake of Galilee, as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in in jeopardy. Um, you know, from a human perspective, 
from a human perspective, they were in danger of not making it over to the other side, right? And so what ends up happening in verse 24, and they came to him, and, and they woke him up, and they said, Master, Master, we are perishing. And then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, and they said to one another, Wow, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. You know, there's Jesus sleeping in the boat. It shows us his humanity. And here's Jesus calming the storm, and it shows us his deity. And really, in the end, that's the main point. Who can this be? None other than God. Because not only did he stop the winds, he calmed the sea. And it was just amazing, man. Just beautiful. You can go water skiing on it now. It was just perfect. And he did it like that. There was a great storm going on. Jesus was not really concerned with the storm that was going on on the outside. He was concerned more with the storm that was going on on the inside of these guys. And he's saying to them, and he says to us, what's up? I'm in the boat. Why are you freaking out? There's no need to panic. All you got to do is pray. You see, and that's what we find the lesson here is so simple for us. You know, I don't know how Jesus did it, man, but he was sleeping during this whole thing, you know. And I was thinking, man, I don't think it was a supernatural sleep because Jesus never normally did miracles for himself, only a couple of times. And, you know, so I don't think he took like a little miraculous sleeping pill or anything. I have a feeling, more than likely, I think you guys would agree with me, huh, that he was exhausted, you know, that he, who knows, maybe he'd been up for nights, you know, and uh, doing all this work. And you think about it, just the draining of the ministry and the people and the miracles and all the things that were going on. And so, man, he slept through the storm. You guys, any of you, can, can you guys sleep during, through the storm? I mean, have you ever slept through an earthquake, stuff like that, you know? Some people can, right? Some of you guys can. It's hard to wake you up, right, in the morning, right? Especially if we're tired. Um, you know, my wife, she'll tell me, Manny, you're, you know, you're snoring, you're snoring. It only happens when I'm tired, right? When we're tired, different things happen. You know, and so there's the Lord. He's in the boat. He tells them they're going to the other side. And, you know, it, it, they, just, they, they just think, you know what, he doesn't care. He's not willing. Who knows, maybe they're even wondering if he's able to help them. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But, you know, if you feel like you're sinking, if you feel like there's something that's just pressing you down, that, that you're perishing, that you're in danger, and then as time has progressed, you know, a week's gone by, a month's gone by, a year's gone by, you know, there's been even in a few years gone by, and you're thinking, you know what, man, nothing's changing. Jesus, are you sleeping? You need to know that, you know, although, you know, in this case he's there sleeping, he's in complete control. And you've got to believe that because you're his kid if you're a Christian. You know, sometimes I think we think that the Lord doesn't know what's going on. My way is hidden from him. My just claim is passed over. If you go back to the book of Isaiah, that was exactly what the children of Israel thought in Isaiah chapter 40. A very important verse right here. Isaiah chapter 40. 
the people of Israel were thinking the same thing because they were going through some difficult times in their life and they were actually accusing God of really not paying attention to them. And so the Lord talks back to them and look what it says in verse 27 of Isaiah 40. He says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. You see, the children of Israel were going through a trial in their life. They were going through testings in their life. And they were praying to God. They were praying to God. And it didn't seem like anything was happening. But the Lord was saying to them, listen, something is happening. I'm not taking your trial away because I know that's what you want, right? Get me out of it. Get me through this. Take it away. Take it away. And God says, no, I'm not going to take the trial away. What I'm doing is I'm strengthening you. I make you strong. That's what he says right there, verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Because a lot of times, you know, we're carrying this. It's kind of like we're carrying it on our heart. Or we're carrying it on our back. Or we're saying, Lord, lift it off. And God is saying, no, I'll give you a stronger back to carry it. I'll give you a stronger heart. See, I'm working a work in your life. You see, don't ask God to take it away. Don't ask God to take it away. I mean, you know... We know that we have these trials and we know that we have these situations and sometimes, man, the fire is really hot. But make sure that you ask God, first of all, before it goes away, that you and I, that we would grow in these things. And maybe, just maybe, if I could just say this, maybe that's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for us to trust him because he wants to change us. Look what he wants to do. It says in verse 30, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, Young men shall utterly fall, right? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I love that. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, we've been walking with the Lord for a while now, you guys. A lot of us here, some of us here, man, we've been Christians for a while. Why aren't you flying yet? You know, why aren't we mounting up with wings like eagles? Why aren't we going through these trials with joy and trust and knowing that even though it seems like the boat is sinking, it's not going to sink. There's no way it could sink. There's no way that God's purposes cannot be accomplished. Why? Because he's in the boat. And you believe. You know, back in Luke, I think it was okay that they woke him up. I think it was okay... You know, that they said, Lord, uh, can you help us out here, you know? But the way that they did it was wrong. And so that's why he questions there in verse 25. That's why he questions their faith. You see, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And God wants to do a work in our life, right? And so the Lord shows them, when there's danger, just trust in me. I'm in the boat. I'll take care of you doesn't matter if it's danger. It doesn't matter if it's demons. That's what we read next. Here in Luke 8, notice what it says in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. 
And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. Think about that. You know, and and more than likely, this was a reason the storm was coming against him, is because Jesus was going to, to reach this man. And if I could just give a real quick side note, maybe that's why you're going through some of the trials you're going through, because you're heading towards helping someone. The enemy knows that. Here we have that someone, and think about it. It's a man. He's naked, right? He's naked. He's been driven to live in the cemetery, and the people had been trying to help him, but we know as we read Matthew and Mark that they couldn't. But what ends up happening in verse 28, it says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell down before him, and with a loud voice he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you. Do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. There's people out there like that. Did you guys know that? Do do you care? Do you care that there's people out that? Mark chapter 5 verse 5, it says that he was cutting himself. Sounds familiar. There's a lot of kids out there that are cutting themselves. See, that's the nature of the enemy, self-destruction, right? And that's exactly what Jesus faced. That's who this man was. But you see, in looking at this, we find that the Lord, you know, didn't have a problem with danger in the lake, and he didn't have problems with demons in a man. It says in verse 30 that Jesus asked him, saying, what's your name? And he said, Legion. Why? Because there were many demons that had entered him. And so they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss, which is the bottomless pit. It says a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. And so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. And then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. In other words, the Lord delivered him. And the Lord will deliver you from danger, and the Lord God himself will deliver you from demons. The Lord will deliver them from sinking into hell. The Lord will deliver them from all the demonic realm that comes against them. When God begins to establish us and to teach us as Christians how to believe, how to have faith, how to live and to walk in obedience to him, to trust in Jesus, the only one who can really handle all these things, right? You know, the Lord asked him what his name was. Do you think it was because the Lord didn't know? No, the Lord knew his name, but the Lord wanted to testify to them and to us what he can do. Because a legion means, well, in the Roman culture, it could be up to 6,000 soldiers. And so I don't know for sure, but man, there was a lot of demons inside this guy. You know, maybe, I don't know, 6,000 demons. Think about that. And so for us today, we're thinking, is that too much for the Lord? Is that too many for the Lord? Is this guy beyond hope? And the answer is what? Absolutely not. God just says, go into the pigs. They're not good for you anyways, right? Go into the pigs. 2,000 pigs, they go down, they fall into the sea, and there's a big thing about that where maybe the abyss is connected to the sea. We don't know for sure, but I do know this, man, that when everything happened and the Lord delivered this guy, 
you know, there wasn't a real good reaction from the city. Because look what happens in verse 34. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demon had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Isn't that cool, you guys? Isn't that cool what the Lord can do? And I remember um, the, the pastor from Calvary Chapel, uh, uh, it's over in the Las Vegas, it's called Calvary Chapel Spring Valley. He said, yeah, we had to teach the, the ladies to put on their clothes, man, you know, because the Lord is the one who does the work, right? And here you have this guy, and you know, now he has naked before, but now he's clothed, he's in his right mind, and he's right there sitting where? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, it doesn't have to be eloquent. All it has to be is true. It's clear. All we're saying today is that it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that we need to have him as the, 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 the primary person. There should be no rival throne in our life. Because only he can deliver you from the dangers, the calamities, the tragedies. Only he can deliver you from the demonic opposition that you will experience. Some of you here, you don't even realize it, but you are shackled by demons. Some of you know it. Some of you don't know it. You know, the city, they didn't want Jesus. We're going to see this in a second. But this man, this man did. And he went to the Lord. And you and I, we need to go to the Lord. We need to go to the Lord to get saved. And we need to go to the Lord to get sanctified. It never changes. It happens every day. It happens all the time. Because only the Lord can deliver us from, you know, the demons. If you ever get a chance, read that book, Screw Tape Letters, man. It's a great book about, you know, the, the battle that goes on in the demonic realm. You know, because I know there are some of you here that you're probably dabbling with drugs. Some of you here, there, there's pretty much no doubt in my mind that you are struggling with pornography because that's very demonic. Some of you here, you might be, you know, addicted to alcohol. You can set yourself free. Um, there's just so many things, you know, and, you know, you're, you know you're, you're sleeping around, whatever it is, right? Those are the obvious things, and they need, you need the Lord. But sometimes it's not so obvious. Sometimes it's just that there's no fire in your walk anymore. Sometimes it's like there's no passion in your heart anymore. Sometimes I think that as Christians, we kind of get caught up in, you know, just kind of going through the motions and you don't realize it, that you are being deceived by demons because they got you in a place where you're not really making a difference anymore. And all I'm saying is this, man, you don't have to be there. That you can come and absolutely surrender to Jesus Christ and he'll give you power. He'll give you strength. He'll use your life because it's about the kingdom of God. You know, God saved you. He loves you. When you die, you're going to heaven. Praise God for that. But he wants to use your life to help others too and to pull them out of the fire. And we need to be, you know, in our right mind. A lot of us here, no offense, man. We're not in our right minds. Our cheese has slid off our cracker, man. We're doing weird things. We're caught up in the world. What for? It's all going to burn. You know, provide for your family. That's cool. But focus on the Lord. 
this man right here is so cool to see him sitting at the feet of Jesus, you know, clothed and in his right mind. Everybody's afraid of that. And, and so look what they did. It says in verse 36, they also who had seen it told them by what means who he who had been demon-possessed was healed. In other words, they told them that it was Jesus. Jesus did this, right? And so what happens in verse 37, then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the gatherings, they asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear, and they got into the boat and returned. Isn't that weird? It's weird. Here's Jesus Christ delivering this man from demons, this guy who's you know, committing suicide, so to speak. And when they find out about it, they say, go away. We don't want you here. And, and you want to know something, man? Just, you know, as a, just a clarification, that's exactly what happens when people don't follow the Lord. Jesus said it this way, you're either for me or against me. There's no middle ground. Some people want to put one foot in and one foot out. You can't do that. See, if you don't serve the Lord, then you're against the Lord. And what you are saying, in essence, is depart from me. Now, what will Jesus do? Well, sometimes he'll put up a little fight, but not always. He's a perfect gentleman, huh? And that's what he did right here. They said, go away. And what did he do? He went away. What a contrast. You know, we live in a crazy world. How many of you here, when you saw that Jesus killed 2,000 pigs, you got mad at him? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> we live in a crazy world, huh, that is more concerned with animals than they are people. Save the whales. What about all the babies we're aborting? What about that? See, a soul, a man is created in the image of God, not animals. Now, I'm not saying be, you know, mean, unless you have a cat, but don't be mean to your animals or anything. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Dogs are cool. No, I'm just joking, man. Don't be mean to your animals. Love them. Take care of them. But don't ever, ever confuse the fact that a human soul is infinitely more valuable than animals, right? It's so important that we learn all these things. Jesus here is making a statement, I believe. But, you know, they say leave, and so he leaves. And, and But notice the man, though. Verse 38, now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. That's so cool, huh? Lord, I want to be with you. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things who Jesus had done for him. Definitely a a couple of verses that we can use to prove the deity of Christ, right? But it's so cool. You know, and at first when I read this, I was like, Lord, you know, that's not fair. He wants to be with you. He wants to be a disciple. He wants to go and follow you. But the Lord says, you know, that's not the plan for everybody. You know, for some of us here, it's not, you know, to get signed up in the ministry here. For some of you here, you know, your ministry is at your house, huh? And in your community, in your neighborhood, you know. And the reason being, because later on, we'll see it in Mark chapter 7, this man, he was going to enter into Decapolis and tell him what great things God had done with him. And later when Jesus goes, everybody receives the word. Why? Because of what this man had said. And so when you're doing the work of the Lord, you're doing it for the Lord, you're in league with the Lord. 
And it's a beautiful thing to know that Jesus Christ has this amazing plan, you know. So don't be discouraged. Don't be disappointed. Just do what God has called you to do faithfully, wherever you're at, starting at your home. Be that husband. Be that wife. Be that dad. Be that mom. Be that single person. Be that witness at work. The influence of your friends, the influence of your families that you would have on them. There you are in school. Some of you guys, sometimes people, Christians, they go to school. No one knows you're a Christian. I wonder if you really are. Be a light wherever God has called you to be a light. And then as God opens doors, then you go through them. It's all part of God's plan. In our study today, we see that God is uh, pointing us to his son, Jesus, who's stronger than danger, stronger than demons. We're going to see next, stronger than disease and stronger than even death. Look what it says in verse 40. And so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him and behold there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus feet and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter think about it one one daughter and she was about 12 years of age and she was dying but as he went the multitudes thronged him Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you and you're asking who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive power going out for me. Isn't that cool? Power going out for me. That's so cool. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You might want to circle your faith your faith. You travel through the Gospel of Luke. You travel through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you're going to see your faith, your faith, your faith. You see, because we're learning about what Jesus can do, but we're learning also about what we need to do. We need to believe. And your faith will make you well. Your faith will allow you, even if it's 12 years of tragedy, your faith will allow you to go in peace. And that's exactly what happened with this woman right here. And, you know, there's so many things that are jam-packed in these lessons. One of the common denominators that we see is that there was no help. There was nowhere else to look. I mean, when you're in the middle of the ocean sinking in the storm and you're working as hard as you can, these burly fishermen, what else can you do but pray, right? I mean, there's nowhere else to go, right? They're going to call a helicopter in those days, right? Nowhere else. And here you are, and you know, you're, you're this demon. Every, they've tried everything, everything. Only Jesus. And now you have this, this lady, and who knows how much money she started off with. We don't know. We do know this, that after 12 years of seeing that doctor and that doctor and that doctor, she spent everything she had. And, and the Bible tells us that things just got 
worse. In other words, she had nowhere else to go, right? And sometimes that's a good place to be. You know, they say that um, sometimes you won't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And a lot of times, you know, we're looking to money, we're looking to doctors, we're looking to other Christians, we're looking to whatever it is. And the Lord says, I want to be enough in your life. And that's what we see right here. This woman, you know, was different than everyone else. And there's a few things that we can learn from it. One is this, that there's a lot of people that go to church, there's a lot of people that, you know, they say they're Christians, but there's not a lot of people that believe like this woman. You know, the multitudes were thronging her. They were, they were thronging him, right? But she went through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment, right? She was different. And you know what? I want to be different. Well, you're, you're like, you are different. No, I want to be different in a good way, okay? And you should be different in that sense too. Don't just be like everybody else. You know, we as a church even, you know, if I could just, man, maybe it would be infectious for all of us here to believe like this woman did, you know, to just know that you know that you know that if you just touch the hem of his garment, that you will be made well, which is another interesting thing about this whole thing right here. Did you guys know that it's okay to pray for yourself? Did you guys know that? You guys, you're like thinking, oh, I got to pray for him and I got to pray for her and I got to pray for this and I got to pray for that. Cool, you need to do that, but you also need to pray for yourself. Did you know that? Because you know how messed up you are, huh? I mean, you know, your wife probably knows too. (laughs) God definitely knows. But other than God, I really believe ultimately that you are the one who knows most. You know, I know how messed up I am. You know, I know the deepest desires of my heart that in all reality, I can't tell anybody else. I can't. You know, I know. That we know ourselves. Jesus prayed for himself in John chapter 17. You need to pray for yourself. And you need to fight your way through all the resistance of life. And you need to pray. You know, I have this app on my phone. And what it is, I'm very strange. But one time my pastor told me, he said, you know what you should do? Write down what you do all day long. Just write down what you do all day long. And you'll get an, uh, an idea of where your priorities are. And, you know, as I'm writing down, I'm writing down all these things. It kind of keeps track of, you know, how much time I eat and different things like that. Sleep, um, pray. It can be a very sobering reality. We need to pray. We need to make our way through the crowd and through the hustle and bustle of life. I know you've got a million things to do. We live in America. But you have to not just time the time, make the time to really go to the Lord and to really pray to him. And God will do a work. And then he'll be able to say to you, like he said to the woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See? Because the one who is the answer to all our problems is Jesus Christ. And I just want to point you to him. I want you to fix your eyes on him. I want him to be your best friend. I want him to be your savior. I want him to be your Lord. I want him to be everything to you. Why? Because that's what God wants. And that's where we need to be. Do you really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you really have that? I mean, 
where you talk to him and he talks to you and you walk with him and you walk like him. Because that's what this is all about. It's pointing us to him. Whether it's danger in the middle of the sea and you feel like you're sinking, uh, whether you are sunk and you're possessed by demons, you know, whether you're there diseased, and it could be a lot of things. You know, women, they have problems hemorrhaging. And imagine how it would have been for her for 12 years. According to the Levitical law, she would be unclean. She couldn't participate in any religious activity. She couldn't go to the temple. As a matter of fact, according to Levitical law, she could not touch anybody. Because if she did, she'd make them unclean. Twelve years. Torture. And all she had to do was find Jesus. And for some of you here today, you know, I thank God that you're doing well, that you're walking with the Lord. But there's some of you here today that, you know, there's an emptiness inside. There, you're not, you know what God wants you to be. You know, and I'm not teaching a Christianity that says that you can be everything you want to be and you can get everything you want. No, that's not the Christianity that the Bible teaches. But it does teach that you can be everything God wants you to be. And it does teach that you can have everything that He wants you to have. But it's up to you. It just can't be a religion anymore. It's got to be a relationship, you guys. And it's never too late. And that's what we see next in our closing story right here. Because it says right here in verse 49 that while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him. And he said, Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. So when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, uh, in the Aramaic, Talitha kumi, little girl, arise. Then, notice it says in verse 55, her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given uh, something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Why do we have this in the Bible? Why did Luke chronicle it? It's because God wants us to know something very simple and that is that Jesus Christ has power over death. He has power over danger, power over demons, power over disease, and power over death. Because one day we'll all be there. And we need Jesus. You know, this guy right here, he was the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. He had a very important uh, place. You know, he would be the one in charge of who was going to pray during the service. He was in charge of the maintenance of the facility. Uh, he had an important place, I guess you could say, among Jewish leadership. You know, but for him to now come to Jesus, that would kind of go against what was happening in those days because the Jewish leaders were already planning how to kill Jesus. And so what would make this man do something so different 
then in the, you know, the common thing that was going on in the days that he lived, what would make him do something so different? And we know the answer, huh? Because he was not only the ruler of the synagogue, he was a daddy. He was a daddy. And he had a little girl who was 12 years old, and she was dying. Right? A place of desperation. Right? You know, and sometimes God brings us to that point. You know, I don't know. I don't know if there's a greater love than the love that we have for our kids. But God brings us to that point of desperation. And he wants you to know that there is a place you can go. There really is. Because you might think, well, i got nowhere to go. We do. You can go to the Lord. You can go to the Lord, and he'll take care of you. You know, some might say, Manny, are you telling me that, you know, if I go to Jesus, that my son uh, will never die, that they're going to last forever on planet Earth, and if they do die, that he'll bring them right back, you know? No, that's not really what I'm saying, but that would be awful, because we've got a different home, okay? <laughs> but what I am saying is this, that you don't, have to, you don't have to fear death. He's taken the sting out of death, Right? That's what I'm saying. You know, one time a lady came to D.L. Moody and she said, D.L. Moody, I've got a great promise from the Bible. It says, when you're afraid, trust in the Lord. And D.L. Moody said, I got a better promise from the Bible. Isaiah chapter, I think it was 12 verse 3. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You're going into life knowing that God's on your side. This little girl right here, you know, and you guys know how precious they are and um, man, to be in that situation, and but just to experience the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because her dad was willing to go to Jesus is a great example for us, you guys. You know, whether it's a child you're praying for, a friend, a, a loved one, it might even be a parent. I don't know who it is. But I do know this, you guys, that today in our Bible text, the Lord points us to Jesus. And, and that's what I want to do. That's how I want to close. It's so neat even today that we can close in a time of communion. And my prayer is that right now your heart would just be dialed in. You know, you would focus not on yourself, not on your circumstances. Right now that the Lord would just draw all of our attention to Jesus Christ. And that if you're here today, maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're not a Christian. Or maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you're here today as a Christian and you know you're not where you should be. Then, you know, I'm not going to say you've got to come forward, you know, in front of everybody. Eventually you will. Eventually you're going to have to make a stand. But I do know that right now in your heart, right now in your heart, you can turn to him. He's the one. He's the only one that can help you with the demons and the danger and the disease and the death and all the crazy things that want to tear you up. You see, God has a plan for your life. It's a beautiful plan. But so does the devil. If you want the Lord, he'll come to you and he'll bless you and he'll, he'll encourage you, he'll strengthen you. But if you don't want the Lord, he'll honor that. My prayer today is that all of us here today would choose 
to follow Jesus Christ with everything that we are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, your love, your grace, your power, your spirit, how you're the God of the second chance and chance after chance. And here we are, Lord. Father, I want to recommit my life to you. I want to surrender to you. And I pray that your people here, the people here would do the same. And that today we would make that choice, Lord, to live for you. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Without you, I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so by your spirit and by your grace and by your power, God, I pray you touch every heart here in a powerful way. As we partake of communion today, Lord, baptize us in your love. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Do, I pray, a great work. Lord, I ask today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to have-